Amen. Good morning. It is a pleasure, a joy to be back with you guys this morning. I really missed uh, worshiping with you guys last Sunday while I was gone in Kentucky, but uh, I listened to uh, Steve's sermon uh, while I was gone, and he did an excellent job proclaiming the word, continuing on our Acts series, and so I want to thank Steve for, uh, for preaching the word last week. So, uh, but we're continuing along in the book of Acts. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to be this week. Again, continuing to look at what exactly happens as the church and the Holy Spirit is mobilizing and moving the church out to the nations. So what does it look like to be a church that is going out and engaging the world, living differently, looking differently? What, is it, what does it look like to be the church out in the nations? We're going to see this morning... Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 6, is where we're going to begin. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 6. This is what it says. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul had seen the vision. Immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia of the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Let me pray for us as we get into the word this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it, it is relevant for us, that it is impactful for our lives, that you uh, have decided to speak to us. You have decided to talk to us through your word. And so, Father, I pray that this morning that we would open up your word and we would, we would have ears to hear what it is that you're saying to us, a heart that is ready to apply it. God, God, change our perspective, change our minds, change our attitudes, change our actions. God, mold us in the image of Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Now, things don't always go according to plan. And if you want to know that for a fact, try traveling on an airplane. Because nothing goes according to plan, at least when I try to fly on an airplane. So the last two weeks, I was in uh, Kentucky. And uh, I have the worst luck when it comes to traveling on airplanes. So, so in order to get to Kentucky in March, I bought a ticket that is a direct flight from Dallas to Louisville. Two weeks later, the airline notified me that they are no longer flying direct flights from Dallas to Louisville. And so at no expense to me, they gave me a layover in Chicago. <laughs> and I was like, all right, it's not that big of a deal. It delays my flight by a few hours, like my arrival by a few hours. That's not a big deal. I made my way to Chicago. Uh, The flight in Chicago was delayed by an hour. It's okay, not a big deal. Get on the plane. We sit on the tarmac for 30 more minutes. 
And then finally we land in Chicago. It wasn't, uh, we landed in Louisville. It wasn't until 1 a.m. that I got to get out of the airport in Louisville, uh, and I had to present a paper in class the following day. Uh, so I, was, I wasn't super happy, but getting there was a pain, and then getting back was no better. Right? So getting back, I was going to get on an early flight uh, from Louisville to Chicago to Dallas. I was supposed to leave at 6.05 a.m., but the flight filled up, and so I wasn't able to get on that one. So the next flight that I decided to get on was a 6.10 flight, from Louisville to Baltimore to Milwaukee to Dallas. That was going to be my, my just straight path, you know, uh, like six hours of flying for a two-hour trip. And, uh, and so that flight was available. But the problem was I pull up to the airport in my rental car to go turn in my rental car at 5 a.m., and the, the company that I got the rental car from didn't have anyone manning the barrier to let the cars in. So I, I take it back. They had someone on the clock manning the barrier, uh, but judging by the number of beers on the table, he may have been passed out in a bathroom somewhere. <laughs> so there was, there, this, of all the, rent, all the other rental car places were accepting cars except for mine. And so, uh, so me and eight other people are sitting there with our cars like, we got to get to, we got to get to flights. Finally, after 20 minutes of waiting around trying to find an answer, the guy at the uh, rental car place next to us just like, leave it there. And so we, so we just parked our cars outside the barricade and walked into the airport. We're like, oh, nothing happens. And uh, I got, I managed to get on the flight to Baltimore. I was the last person on the plane. Like they were shutting the door as I was squeezing in, you know, like real quickly. Last person on the plane got to Baltimore. Uh, plane in Baltimore was delayed an hour. Uh, and then, and then when I got on the plane in Baltimore, we sat on the tarmac for an hour uh, and then flew to Milwaukee. Uh, sat on the tarmac in Milwaukee for 30 extra minutes after the departure time, and then finally made it down to Dallas. So, so I have the worst luck when it comes to flying, but nothing, nothing goes according to plan, right? Like, again, if you, if you want to find that out, just try to fly anywhere. Nothing goes according to plan. And that's, kind of, that's exactly what we see in this story with Paul and Silas. Nothing goes according to plan. Like they keep making plans, they keep deciding where to go, and then all of their plans keep getting frustrated. God just keeps shutting doors in their face. None of you know what that's like. Right? None of you know what it's like to make plans and then have those fall through. Like every single one of us knows what it's like to, to make some plans and then doors slam shut. Some of you this morning are, are extremely frustrated. Because you're in the middle of this. You, are, you have made plans. You have a, a direction that you want your life to go. You have, you have big plans and small plans, and they just keep falling through. Doors keep getting sl slammed in your face. And you're frustrated. You're angry. You're tired of, of all of these no's, all of these doors being shut, and you're wondering, what do I do when all of these plans are falling through? And if you're here this morning and everything's going according to plan, just wait. And at some point, you'll experience the same thing as well. What do we do when plans fall through and when doors shut? That's what I want us to see this morning from the story. Paul, Silas, how do they respond when the doors keep getting slammed in their face? Before we get to that, we have to kind of set the scene a little bit. At the beginning of chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, uh, it says, Paul came also to Derby and Lystra. If you are uh, with us for the past month or so, those are probably somewhat familiar-sounding names. Those are two cities that Paul and Barnabas earlier, a couple chapters before, they went and they preached the gospel and established churches in the city of, of Lystra and Derby. And so they're starting out the plan for Paul and Silas as we saw at the end of chapter 15, their plan was to go to the churches that they'd already established and to go strengthen them, to go build them up. And so we see at the beginning of verse 1, Paul came to Derby. 
Paul came to Lystra. They're doing exactly what they've set out to do. They're going to the cities where they'd already set up churches, and they're strengthening those churches. Verse 1, came to Derby and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So, so we're introduced to this new character in the book of Acts named Timothy. He, he's a big player in the early church. Uh, he's the guy, the, the first and second Timothy in the Bible. He's the guy that Paul is writing to uh, in those stories. So a big player in the early church. Uh, he comes onto the scene here. He's a, he's a believer. His, his mom is a Jew who placed her faith in Jesus. His dad is a Greek. We don't get any indication of whether he did or didn't follow Jesus. Uh, but, but we see in light of chapter 15, the Jerusalem Council, we found out that you don't have to become a Jew to be a Christian. Right? You don't have to get circumcised to be a Christian. You don't have to follow the law to be a Christian. You don't have to be a Jew to be a Christian. And so this story is a little weird because Paul wants Timothy to go with him. And in order for Timothy to go with him, he decides to circumcise Timothy. But the reason for that, as Paul says, or as Luke says, is that he did it because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Paul and Silas, as they were going out to these cities, they were doing a lot of ministry in synagogues. So they were going to be in, in Jewish holy places, and it would, be, it would be horrible for them, a huge roadblock, a, f- a huge stumbling block, if they brought in so, an uncircumcised Greek into the, into the synagogues. And so in order to help their ministry and not be a big roadblock, they decided to take care of business with, with Timothy. But they add Timothy to the group, and verse 4, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in number daily. So, so far, so good. Paul and Silas, and now Timothy, are doing exactly what they've set out to do. They left Antioch, and they went to the cities that they had previously set up churches, and they've strengthened those churches. And now that they've accomplished that, they're wondering, all right, what next? Now, now that we've done what we've set out to do, we've done what we've planned, time to make a new plan, time to do something different. And so what they decide, look at me in verse 6. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So notice what happened. Paul, Silas, Timothy, they gathered together. They're looking at a map and they're saying, all right, where do we go now? We've already strengthened the churches that have already been established. Now we want to go proclaim the gospel to where it's never been proclaimed before. Where do we go? And they roll out the map and they decide we should go to Asia. Now they're not talking about the entire continent of Asia. What they mean there is a a little region in the Roman Empire that's kind of southwest Turkey. Uh, That's the region of Asia. And so they decided, they're looking at the map, and they decide Asia is a great place to go for us. There's some important cities there. Ephesus is there. Thyatira is there. It's a place where the gospel hasn't been preached before. So if if we're looking at a map, Asia is the place to go. And so they're gearing up to go into Asia and to proclaim the gospel where they've never proclaimed it before, to go preach the gospel and establish churches in those cities. And then all of a sudden, God says, nope, (laughs) don't go to Asia. Don't go in there. They made this really great plan. 
Right? I can imagine them mapping out their route. We'll go to this city. We'll spend this amount of time there. We'll go to this city. We'll spend this amount of time there. And they've made this really great plan to go into Asia. Now, now what's wrong with making a really good plan to go into Asia? Nothing. There's nothing wrong with the plan. It's a good plan. And it was a good plan to do good things. Right? They were going to go proclaim the gospel. There's absolutely nothing wrong with planning. A lot of Christians... Sometimes we'll swing the pendulum in the opposite direction. We'll say, oh, you can never plan. Like, don't ever make plans. God will just ruin your plans. Don't ever make plans. But that's, that's not uh, what we should be taking away from the text. Like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with planning. You and I plan all the time. Like, we plan little things on a day-to-day basis. We plan big things, big life events. We make plans, and there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of you have retirement plans, <laughs> Right? You have ideas of, of what you want to do when you retire, and you have uh, financial uh, steps that you're taking to get there. Like a lot of you have, have career aspirations, a, a job that you would like to be in, or a, a salary you'd like to reach, and, and that's your goal. You have plans to reach there. Some of you uh, have uh, school plans of where you would like to study, where you'd like to learn. There's nothing wrong with making plans. We all make plans, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some of us are, are more planners than others. Right? Some of you are the kind of people that will go on a vacation with a binder, with like minute-by-minute minute outline of what you're going to do. Uh, and others of you, the extent of your planning is, we're going to go to the beach. You know, That's the full extent. So some of you are more planners than others, but the end result is all of us make plans. We all, we all have some idea of where we'd like to be in the future. We all have some idea of what we would like to do. We all make plans, and there's nothing wrong with that. And on top of that, if you look at the plan that they made, it was a really good plan. Looking at the information that they had available, this was the best course of action. Because, again, you look at the map. Asia, this was a region that didn't have the gospel. This was a region with two really important cities in Ephesus and Thyatira, two major cities in the Roman Empire. So if they could go in there and establish churches in those major cities, they'd be a great place to, to, to see the gospel expand. They made a really good plan. And without reason, the Holy Spirit in verse 6, or without telling us a reason, the Holy Spirit in verse 6 says, they, forbid, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. They had this great plan they put everything together, and then God just shuts the door on them. He just slams it shut. And, and again, notice in verse 6, it, it does not list a reason. It's not like the Holy Spirit came to Paul and Silas and said, hey, there's going to be a volcano in there. It's going to be a whole thing. You're going to want to avoid the region. right? Like, it's not like they said, hey, there's an angry mob that's waiting for you as soon as you get to one of the cities, so you should probably avoid it. There's no reason given. It's just the door is shut. They can't go to Asia. How many of us know that feeling of making a plan, of having a direction, having a goal, and then the door is slammed in our face, and there doesn't really seem to be a reason? There isn't, we don't get an explanation. We just know that, that the plans that we have made are falling apart. So they decide they're going to go north, Phrygia and Galatia. They're basically just walking along the border of the region of Asia because they're not allowed to go in there. And so they go up to Phrygia, they go over to Galatia, and again, they don't really have a plan. They don't have a direction. They're just, they're just going. Like, where are they going to go? Not Asia. That's the only plan that they have. 
They're going north from Phrygia to Galatia. Verse 7, when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So here they are, they're going north, they're like, all right, God doesn't want us to go to Asia, so we're going to go north. They go to preach the gospel in Phrygia, they preach the gospel in Galatia, finally they hit northern Turkey, and the northernmost part of Turkey at this point is the region of Bithynia. And so they're thinking, I'm already going north, Bithynia doesn't have the gospel, there are no churches up there, let's go into Bithynia and proclaim the gospel. Again, a really good plan. Nothing wrong with the plan at all. They're going to take the gospel where it's never gone before. They're already headed in that direction, so logistically it makes sense. Like It's a really good plan. And again, without reason given, without warning, Jesus says, no, you're not going into Bithynia. And can you just imagine how frustrated they are? They make their way to uh, Messiah, verse 8. They're passing from Messiah. They went down to Troas. This is a, a, a city right off the, the Mediterranean coast. And they just stop in Troas, like, where do we go now? We have reached the water, like we have reached the edge, and everywhere we have tried to go has been, has been a closed door. All of our plans have fallen apart. Every time we go somewhere and try to go somewhere, God slams the door in our face. What do we do now? You can feel the frustration building up in this group. And, and you can feel it because you've been there. You know what it's like to make plans and to have them fall through. You know what it's like to, to see, to look at your retirement plans and to see, look at the stock market tumbling and, and, and set you back two or three years on your retirement plans. You know what it's like to, to want to go to a dream school and then to get a rejection letter. You know what it's like to, to have a job and career aspirations and then to get passed over for a promotion or, or to get rejected by the job that you wanted, to, to interview for six or seven jobs and to not get any of them. You know what it's like to make plans and have door after door after door slammed in your face. You can feel the frustration. They don't have some, some big vision from God of you need to go here, you need to do this. They're just trying to be faithful day to day because they are frustrated. Their plans are falling apart. But look with me in verse 9. They spent some time in Troas, and then in verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse 11, so setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we remained in this city for some days. So after months of just being faithful to God, having doors slammed in their face, after months of, of making plans and having all of those plans fall apart, finally, they get, a, they get a glimpse, a literal vision from God of what to do next. God removes the veil a little bit and shows them what the next few months of their life are going to look like. And they're told that they need to go over to Macedonia, to go over to what is uh, modern-day Greece, and to go proclaim the gospel in Europe. So they make their way over there. They make their way to Philippi, the leading city in, the, in Macedonia. And there they are in the city. It's not where they planned to go. It's not what they had planned to do, but it's exactly where God wants them. And notice what happens 
when they make their way to Philippi. Verse 13. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed that there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. So, as I mentioned, Paul and Silas, Timothy, they do a lot of, uh, a lot of work in synagogues. Uh, so there's either not a synagogue in the city of Philippi, or there wasn't one near them. For whatever reason, they decided to go down to the, a riverside where they knew that there would be some, uh, some, some Jewish believers, some people who believed in God, coming together to pray on the Sabbath day. And so they made it down to the river. They saw a group of women. And so they said, we're going we're gonna to share the gospel with this group of women. And notice what happens in verse 14. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So notice what happened. That first week that, that Paul and Silas and Timothy and now Luke, uh, I didn't mention that fun fact, so this is probably where Luke joined the team. You'll notice he'll start using we instead of they a lot in the text. It has nothing to do with the story, but it's a fun fact. So this is now where Paul and Silas, Timothy and Luke, they are in the city of Philippi for the first time. They're the first week there. They don't really know what they're doing, so they're going down to the river, and they go and proclaim the gospel to a group of women, and the first convert in Philippi is a woman named Lydia. And she is a, a, a wealthy businesswoman who sells purple fabric. We know she's wealthy because purple was a luxury good at the time. And so she's a wealthy businesswoman. She lives in Thyatira, an important city in Asia that Paul and them were not supposed to go to. Uh, she lives in Thyatira, but she's so wealthy she has a house in Philippi as well. Uh, and so this is a woman with the means and the ability to support an early church there in Philippi. Not only that, but her house becomes the place where the church gathers there in Philippi. We know that this Philippian church grew and expanded. This is just the first day, right? The first weekend that they're in Philippi, and they, they reached Lydia with the gospel, and she's going to have a profound impact on the church of God. We know that the church continues to grow and expand because we have the book of Philippians in the Bible. Like Paul is writing to the Philippian church, a group of believers who have come together and placed their faith in Jesus because Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke had their plans frustrated and decided to go to, to Macedonia instead of Asia or Bithynia. Lydia has placed her faith in Jesus and the church of Christ is planted there in Macedonia. Church of Christ is planted there in Philippi. And on top of that, here's a woman with the a, with a power and the ability to go proclaim the gospel in Thyatira as well. With the ability to, to host the church in her home. What a, what a remarkable, again, this is just the first moment, the first weekend of them being there in Philippi. And we'll continue to read and continue to look at what happens in the city of Philippi, but we see an amazing movement and work of God in the city. So regardless of how great the plan was to go to Asia, regardless of how great the plan was to go to Bithynia, they ended up in Macedonia and the gospel was going forth and churches were being planted in a powerful, incredible way. As great as their plans were, God's plan was even better. That's, that's what I hope that we see from the story this morning. As good as our plans are, God's plans are better. 
as much as we like our plans, we like them because we think they're the best, right? We, we like them because we think that's the best course of action. As good as our plans are, God has better plans for us. So when he allows doors to shut, trust that, that, that he knows what he's doing. Our plans are good. God's plans are better. Now, what do we do with that? I, I know a lot of you may be frustrated by doors sham, uh, slamming in your face, and, and, and Christians, uh, well-intentioned Christians may have told you, well, you know, God's got a plan for you, uh, and that's not, it's super helpful because it doesn't, it's not actionable, right? There's nothing you can do with that. You're like, oh, thanks, you know? Um, the, uh, you may have heard someone say, when God shuts a door, he opens a window, you know? Like, uh, or when one door closes, another door opens. Like, those are all uh, not incredibly helpful because they're not actionable, <laughs> There's nothing you can do with that information. You're just going to have to sit there and, and wallow in misery until maybe a door opens. And so what do we do with the fact that, that our plans are good, but God's plans are better? Two things. Number one, hold your plans with an open hand. Hold your plans with an open hand. Again, the, the takeaway is not to not make plans. Right? Sometimes plans are good. Paul and Silas, their plan originally was to go and to strengthen the churches that had already been established. They did that successfully. Everything went according to plan. Sometimes when you make a plan, it's perfectly within the will of God, and your plan will follow through. Like, there is nothing wrong with planning. It's not a problem when we make a plan. The problem is when we grip our plan and, and decide that this is the only way that it's going to be. That, that this is the way that it has to be. When we get in our head a vision, a picture of what we want our retirement to look like, and then we grip it with a firm fist and we say, this is it. And if it's anything else, then I'm going to be disappointed. It's when we, when we get a vision in our head of what we want our career to look like, the, the salary we want to make, the job we want to be in, and we grab hold of it and we say, this is it. This is what my future is going to look like. And anything else is a problem. It's when we, when we look at our family, it's when we look at uh, our relationships and we say, this is my plan for these relationships and this is how it's going to have to turn out. When we grip our plans with a, with a strong fist and a closed fist and things don't go according to plan and the plans start to fall apart and doors start to get shut, all that leads to is misery. All that leads to is, is anxiety and stress and fear because because uh, uh, you and I, I don't, I'm, I'm going to speak for myself here. I can't speak for you, but I'm going to speak for myself. I can't predict the future. I'm assuming that most of you can't as well, if not all of you. <laughs> and so, uh, so when you make a plan, know that you're doing it with incomplete information. And things may not go according to plan. Doors may be shut. And so what we need to do is to hold our plans with an open hand, recognizing that they might change. And that as good as we think that our plan is, if doors get shut, if things go wrong, if our plans fall apart, God ultimately has a better plan anyways. That's the second thing we need to do. Trust the Lord when doors shut. Trust the Lord when doors close. Sometimes God himself will close a door. That's what we see in this story. The Holy Spirit shuts the door to Asia, so Paul and Silas and Timothy, they can't go in and proclaim the gospel there. 
Jesus shuts the door to Bithynia. So Paul and Silas and Timothy can't proclaim the gospel there. Sometimes God shuts a door because that's not his plan for you. And it's your desire and maybe what you want and maybe a good idea, but God shuts the door because he has something better. Other times, it's the enemy. Satan will shut the door on you. It's part of, your op- uh, part of his opposition to you. That's what Paul says at the beginning of First Thessalonians. He, says, he tells the church in Thessalonica, he says, it is my desire, it's our desire to come to you, but Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. So sometimes when a door closes, it's the enemy who's closing a door. The enemy is really good at closing doors and ruining plans. Sometimes it is the enemy who, who, who causes racism or sexism within a corporation, within a company, that keeps you from getting the job that you've planned on. Sometimes it's, it's the enemy that, that stokes division and disunity within a church that keeps the plans and, 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 and desires and, and, uh, and vision of the church from going forward. Sometimes it's the enemy that stokes the same division and anger and, and doubts and problems within families and breaks families apart and, re- and wrecks the plans that you have for your family. Sometimes God closes doors. Sometimes the enemy closes doors. But regardless of what happens when the door's shut and regardless of why a door shuts, when a door closes, trust the Lord and know that he is either shutting it or allowing it to be shut for a reason. And that he has something better in mind. I also want to take a second and recognize, uh, I think it's unhelpful to say that he has something better in mind for you specifically. It may be that the job that you wanted is going to be better than the job that you get. It may be that the, the plan and the future that you desired was going to be better on the surface than whatever it is that you actually end up in. It may have been that Asia would have been phenomenal. It may have been that, that uh, Bithynia may have been incredible. But God's plan is not just for you. There are Christians who are martyred in, across the world who are losing their life for the faith. That's probably not their plan. That's not what they woke up in the morning saying, I really want this to happen. I'm being tortured and martyred for Jesus. And so at the, at, the, at the end of the day, the plan that you end up with, the plan that God has, may not be physically, uh, materially better for you. But God is, is dealing with much more information than we are. And he has an, an infinite and eternal plan that he is, that he is working out. A plan for the redemption of the world, and you are a part of that story. And so when God allows a door to close, he has a better plan in mind. And it may be uh, rough for you. Things may not go well for you, but what the Lord and what the Word of God tells us to do is to trust in Jesus. Trust in the Lord. Know that his plan is ultimately better. But what does that look like? It looks like what Paul and Silas and Timothy did. When they wanted to go into Asia and the door gets slammed in their face, what did they do? They were faithful to the Lord that day. And they were faithful to the Lord the next day. They didn't have a destination. They didn't have a five or ten year plan. All the future plans that they had made had just been shot up. And their, their future was dark. Their future was cloudy. They had no idea where it was that God was directing them. They had no idea what the next five 10 years looked like. They didn't even know what the next month looked like, but they knew 
that they were called to proclaim the gospel. So what did they start doing? They preached the gospel in Phrygia. And then they, the next day and the next month, they preached the gospel in Galatia. And they kept going until God shut the door in Bithynia. So they went and they proclaimed the gospel in Mysia. And then they went and they proclaimed the gospel in Troas. This is day after day after day, week after week after week, month after month of them just being faithful to the Lord every day. And it wasn't until Troas that God started to give them a little bit more of a vision of the future. The, the advice and the, uh, the, the advice that the word of God has for you and trusting in the Lord is that when a door closes on you and you're unsure about the future, just be faithful to the Lord today. Do what the Lord has called you to do today. And then do what the Lord has called you to do tomorrow. And then do what the Lord has called you to do the next day and the next day. And as doors open, keep following the Lord through them. You may not know 10 years down the road. You may not know a year down the road. You may not know a week down the road. But you know exactly what God has called you to today. Where it is that he's called you. So be faithful to the Lord today. Study and apply the scriptures today. Operate through prayer and lift up the things that are going on in your world to the Lord in prayer today. Engage the lost with the gospel today. Train up disciples around you today. Use the resources that God has given you uh, for his kingdom today. Uh, live for eternity today. And as you're faithful to the Lord day after day after day, even if you never get a 10-year picture, even if you never get a vision of what the next 50 years are supposed to look like, you'll be able to look back on your life and say, that was a life that was lived within the plan of God. That was a life that was faithful to the Lord. That was a life that was lived according to God's better plan for my life. Be faithful to God today. When he opens up the door, when he gives you a vision of what, what the future might look like, be faithful in following it. That's what Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke did. They, they got the vision to go to Macedonia, and so they were faithful in following it. But that's not where their faithfulness started. Their faithfulness started every single day as they were walking through Phrygia, as they were walking through Galatia, as they were walking through Mysia, without a direction, without a plan, they were being faithful to the Lord in proclaiming the gospel there. Trust the Lord when doors close. And be faithful to God every single day when it happens. Some of us are holding on to our plans with this clenched fist. And we are refusing to allow them to change. We are frustrated. We are anxious. We are stressed because all of the plans that we've made are falling apart. This morning, what God is calling you to do is to open your grip and release your plans. Be faithful to God with what's happening today. Some of you, God is calling you to, to leave a job. God is calling you, and it's clear to you that, exact, that where you are is not where you're supposed to be. Be faithful to the Lord today. Open up your hand and allow God to direct your path. Some of you, God is calling to go take the gospel where it's never gone before and to go overseas and to, uh, as, as a missionary. Some of you may be called to, to pastor and to lead and to equip the saints. If God is calling you as a missionary, if God is calling you as a pastor, open up your hand. Stop fighting it. Stop fighting against it and do what God has called you to do. Be faithful to the Lord. 
some of you, things are going really well. And, and everything is going according to plan. When the day comes, when your plans start to fall apart, trust in the Lord. Know that when doors close, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> but when doors close, God has a better plan. and You can trust him. Some of you today, God has one crystal clear plan for you. And that's to put your faith in Jesus. Some of you today, it doesn't matter what your future looks like because eternally you will be forever separated from God. You will not know what it's like to be in the kingdom of God because God's plan for you, uh, it does, I don't know what his plan for you might be with career. I don't know what his plan for you might be with your uh, retirement. I don't know what his plan for you might be with your school. But I know that God's plan for you is to place your faith in Jesus. So this morning, if that's you, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, we're going to have people who would love to talk with you about what it means to trust in Jesus. In just a second, I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we're going to sing. And as we sing, I'm going to be standing right here. If that's you and you want to place your faith in Jesus, you want to learn more about what that means, I would love for you to come up here. I'd love to pray with you and then hand you off to some people who would love to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that, that regardless of of what our plans look like, you do have some incredible plans for us and for our world. And your plans are, are infinitely better than ours. Father, I pray for anyone here who's, who's frustrated and, and anxious because the, all of the plans that they're making are following through. They're, they're, they're getting rejected for jobs. Their, their, their retirement account is taking a hit. They're, they're, the things that they, are, uh, that they have planned, God, are falling apart. I pray for those who are anxious, who are worried, who are stressed. Father, I pray that, that they would learn to trust you, to open up their hands, to release their grip on the plans for their lives and allow you to guide and direct them. I pray every single person in this room, whether they have a, a clear vision of where you're leading or it's the foggiest, faintest idea, God, I pray that they would be faithful to you today. They'd be faithful to you tomorrow. And this would be a church who, who it, it can be evidently and obviously said that they are living according to the will of God, that they are living according to the plan of God, that they are doing exactly what they are called to do. Father, I pray for those in here who do not know you. Father, I pray this morning that you would stir their hearts, and this morning they would, they would uh, be convicted of their sin, and this morning they would have the opportunity to enter into a relationship with you. They would know for a fact that they will spend forever part of the kingdom of God. I pray, Father, if there's anyone here who does not know you, I pray, God, that this morning would be the morning that they experience eternal life. We love you. We praise you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.